the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Dennis Prager here. Thanks for listening to the Daily Dennis Prager Podcast. To hear the entire three hours of my radio show, commercial-free, every single day, become a member of PragerTopia. You'll also get access to 15 years' worth of archives, as well as the daily show prep. Subscribe at PragerTopia.com. Hello, everybody. And let's see here. I need to hear me better. I am in Tampa, Florida. That's why I'm adjusting dials, my friends. Hi, everybody. So we have an event tonight here with my colleagues, Mike Gallagher and Seb Gorka. Big event here in my in not Miami in Tampa. And if you are in the vicinity, check it out at the, the station's website. Should be a terrific evening. Oh, my friends, the world. When I think of the amount of evil in it, it doesn't surprise me. Because I started out life with such an awareness of evil in the world. That's why I'm so angry at people. I'm angry, yes. Angry, actually angry. I have no tolerance for people who walk around with the idiotic notion that human nature is basically good. It is true idiocy. It is the product of people who have such a sweet life. Generally speaking, this is, this is, it's the product of people who have it good, whose people around them are relatively sweet and nice, and they extrapolate from that 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 is human nature. Mike Gallagher, my colleague, was telling me that he went to the Israeli embassy in Washington yesterday, and he saw that film that is shown to chosen journalists from around the world. And what he couldn't get over was the glee with which they would shoot children in front of its parents and just laugh and and yell Allahu Akbar. Why aren't more Muslims embarrassed? It's been a question that I have asked all of my life. Can you imagine if Jews or Christians did such a thing? slaughtered children and the Jew would recite the Shema or the Christian would would announce Christ is Lord or something something analogous. Imagine the the uproar in the Christian and Jewish worlds if people disgraced their religions by invoking their deity while slaughtering people. (laughs) And uh, I've asked this all of my life. 
why why isn't there this outcry if if a Danish cartoonist puts out an illustration of Muhammad there are staggeringly large demonstrations of Muslims around the world but if Muslims rape in the name of Allah not almost not a peep certainly no demonstration why why is that not important <laughs> that's these are these are valid questions because you're not allowed the, what the left has done the left is the co-conspirator here in the in the bringing down of the west the left is composed of people whose consciences are defective. Every single leftist, not every single liberal. I, I draw a big distinction. Leftists are destroying the best thing that was ever created, Western civilization. And they're doing it in conjunction with a chunk of the Muslim world, the Islamists, as they put it. That's why you could have, what was that what was I was reading the other day? Uh, there was a uh, Queers for Palestine. Palestine certainly isn't for queers. So why would queers, self-defined queers, why would they be anti-Israel and pro-Palestinian when in Israel you have some of the largest gay pride parades in Tel Aviv, for example, whereas no such thing could exist under Palestinian authority. So how could you possibly be a queer for Palestine? And the answer is, you don't care about queers. You care about destroying Israel and destroying the West. That's it. And to a large extent, that is the that is the agenda of the LGBTQ activists, not the agenda of every LGBT and Q, but of the organizations, queers for Palestine. Well, what did somebody say? That's like what chickens for Kentucky Fried Chicken. Well, such is the world in which we live. Here is a story that is very distressing. A 17-year-old was beaten to death. In Las Vegas, a teen, 17-year-old, he, he a swarm of bullies, as they put it, after he stood up to defend a smaller friend who they had just robbed, this group. Uh, by all accounts that I have seen, but nobody mentions this, the the kid was white and the mob was black. Now, had it been the other way around, we would know this. Remember the two men who killed a, a black man who was in their neighborhood and they thought he he was up to no good and they shot him and it became national news and they were put away for... Uh, almost uh, 
I don't know, what was it, a life sentence, but a very long sentence. And everybody knew about it, knew the man's name. What was that name again? Ahmad Abri. But uh, this is this will go unnoted because the mainstream media lie by omission and by commission. Truth is not a left-wing value. It is one of the most important things you must understand. They lie because truth is not a value. It's not that they lie and they they feel, oh, we have lied. It, it It's... It's a non-issue on the left. Las Vegas teen Jonathan Lewis, 17, beaten to death by a huge swarm of bullies. Nowhere is it mentioned here, only later. The, the issue has arisen, I think, in Daily Mail. I wonder if this is even reported in the New York Times, this incident. Back home, Alan, I'm curious if you take a look. I'm very curious. He was pummeled by this group of around 15 others. His father said he was attacked after confronting the group when they stole something from his friend. Yeah. The vast majority of the, what is it? The mob vandals and stores are black youths. So when the left hears this, they don't ask, is it true? This is a proof of my point. They ask, is it racist? Of course it's not racist. But it, it is not insignificant. There is a crime problem with young blacks. Why does it help black America to deny it, since blacks are usually the victims? Why do you consider yourself pro-black by calling the, the note that there is a disproportionate amount of violence committed by young blacks? Why does that, why does that render the comment racist? Because when a leftist hears that, he or she does not ask, is it true? Because truth is not a value on the left. They ask, how can we smear the person who made the point? Leftists prove a basic point of life. The general weakness of the human conscience in determining what is good. And so the fight for goodness continues. We resume momentarily. My friends, I want to tell you about one of the most influential books of my life. In fact, it's on my list of the 10 books that most influenced me. And it's just been re-released, George Gilder's Men and Marriage. George Gilder has been clear about the stakes for the family since 1974. Fifty years later, the need of the hour remains. Men who take responsibility for themselves, men who love their wives, men who raise their own children, men who tackle the workforce, motivated by their family and the needs of others. Without fathers, our civilization will simply sink back into the Stone Age. We need to bring dads back, or else. 
Get your copy of George Gilder's classic book, Men and Marriage, today at dadsareback.com. Civilization is built by men with families to feed. Yep, without the dads, we're toast. Get George Gilder's book at dadsareback.com. The world in which we live, my friends. I have a, a column up today. I, I'm so I'm, I'm hereby announcing a project. It's called the Mezuzah Project. Most of you never heard of the word mezuzah. Perfectly understandable. It's a Hebrew word. It's from the book of Deuteronomy. And the Jews have been putting up this little painted box with some scripture inside of it for thousands of years, literally thousands of years. And it is like the menorah, which is put on the windowsill. It it tells passers-by, a Jew lives here. And so some people have uh, been taking down their mezuzahs, which is really tragic in America. I never thought I would see that. A truly Semitophile country. I'll read to you later what John Adams said about the Jews. This is truly, it has been the Judeo-Christian country, but the left has been fighting to de-Judeo, de-Christianize America. Because in addition to being bad, they're stupid. They don't know what makes for a decent society. It's a bad combination, being a fool and being bad. And a lot of Jews have participated in, in in their own demise in this way. Oh, let's secularize America. It'll be more secure for Jews. Really? So my fellow Jews, are you doing better today now that fewer Americans go to church than ever before in American history? Maybe actually a a better America for Jews and a better America generally was a America wherein God we trust was taken seriously by its citizenry. I have a new saying. When Christians go to church, Jews are more secure. That's a fact, not an opinion. It's funny, when I was a kid, I had what almost every kid has, a certain belief that when you get older... You just know better. And I don't remember at what age I started to realize how many fools there were who were adults. A young fool frequently becomes an old fool. And we were filled with young fools at university when I went. So here is my project, and that is that millions of Americans my dream, put a mezuzah up on their doorpost. This this would be one of the greatest answers to the anti-Semitism that is rearing its 
soul-destroying head. Just remember, any, any society that became anti-Semitic destroyed itself. There is no exception. It is as guaranteed a form of self-destruction as exists. Christians in particular would love to put the mezuzah up. It's got scripture in it. Anyway, I described the whole thing in my column today. Out of townhall.com, dennisprager.com. A little box. The little box that could change America. You can get one, M-E-Z-U-Z-A-H. You can get one on the internet. You choose You don't have to get what's called a kosher one because they have actual parchment inside. It costs a lot. You just get, you can get one with nothing inside because it's, it's the box itself that makes the statement that you are there to support Jews and Israel. Or you can get it with printed and not inscribed, not not handwritten by a scribe, it's cheaper. So there's no reason to get, quote-unquote, a kosher mezuzah if you see that term. But that would be powerful. I would ask all the pastors and priests listening to ask their congregations to do it. I've already spoken to a few, and they are thrilled to do this. It would It would change America would have a profound effect on young people. It would be a staggering message to the Jews of America and a staggering message to the Jew haters that we have largely imported from the left or actually erased on the left and imported from the Middle East. To put a mezuzah on your doorpost. If you have any questions about that, more than happy to uh, take your calls. This is this is a passion that uh, I I believe in right now. Very big deal if this were done. Okay, let's see here. One eight Prager seven seven six. Again, you can see the article up at. Town Hall or my website. And then if you do this, it would be great if you put a video or a picture of yourself doing it and put it on your social media. If enough did this, it would be it, it would be heard round the world. Non Jews putting a mezuzah on their doorpost. Not being asked to risk your life to to hide a Jew. This is we're not quite there to say the least. But this is a huge thing that you can do. One eight Prager seven seven six. You are listening to the Dennis Prager Show here in Tampa, Florida. Mike Lindell has a passion to help you get the best sleep of your life. He didn't stop at the pillow. Mike also created the Giza Dream Bed Sheets. 
These sheets look and feel great, which means an even better night's sleep, which is crucial for overall health. Mike found the world's best cotton called Giza. It's ultra soft and breathable, but extremely durable. Mike's latest deal is the sale of the year for a limited time. You'll receive 50% off the Giza Dream Sheets, marking prices down as low as $29.98, depending on the size. Go to MyPillow.com, click on the Radio Podcasts Square, and use the promo code Prager. There you'll find not only this amazing offer, but also deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the MyPillow 2.0 mattress topper, MyPillow kitchen towel sets, and so much more. Call 800-761-6302 or go to MyPillow.com and use the promo code Prager. All right, my friends, let us take your calls here. And isn't this something? Sean, I believe I need mouse control again. I don't know why. I don't know why. But I can't I can't pick a call, Sean. I have a hand. Let's see here. Now I do. You see? Why does that happen? Okay, let's see. Uh Corona, California. Linda, hello. Hi, Dennis. Hi. Hello. Hi. Um, Hi. I'm getting a mezuzah. Um, thanks, you. thanks for mentioning something that we can... I'm, I'm Christian. Thank you for mentioning something we can do. Um, after I hang up, I also would like other suggestions on you know, things to do. You know, like D.C. is having the big uh, rally today. Is there anything in the Southern California area? Uh, to participate in, and, and number two... I, I will... Uh, I, yeah, okay, go on, yeah. And, and number two, I have a Jewish friend, and I checked in with her, you know, last month to see how she was doing, and she's... Um, uh, she's. It's all about music for her, and she joined a choir. It was the best choir around at a Christian church, so here she is Jewish. She's practicing Christmas carols, and she, did, she asked them if she could if they could practice a Hanukkah song. Well, she didn't get a direct answer. And um, wouldn't it be wonderful if every Christian church in this nation sang a Hanukkah song along with their Christmas carols? You're a good soul. Of course it would be wonderful. And by the way, there is an, it's a non-issue. My brother, I remember this, he was at Columbia University, Columbia College, undergraduate. And he was in the Columbia Glee Club, Orthodox Jew, and he sang Christmas carols. Uh, well, it's to uh, it, it's the as I have said all of my life, the Christians of America have been a, a uniquely pro-Jewish force for good. The demise of Christianity in this country is a curse for America, a curse for Christianity, and a curse for Jews. Period. End of issue. But the sick, the truly stupid, think that America will be better when fewer people go to church. You have to be an idiot to believe that. And the odds are that you believe it if you went to college, because college makes you stupid. Not everybody. Some people go through college unaffected usually those in sports or those who've been drunk for four years. 
It's devastating. The whole thing's devastating. It all makes sense to me, though. It all makes sense. That That's the point. It's not... I don't puzzle. Gee, why do colleges... Why are so many professors morons and moral idiots? Why? It's not a riddle to me. I figured it out when I was at Columbia University... I've told the story many times. I walked around the campus one day wondering, why am I being taught nonsense by such bright people? And then, for the first time since third grade, a phrase from the Bible that I had said in religious school, yeshiva, came to my mind in Hebrew, wisdom begins with fear of God. No Bible, no God, no wisdom. End of issue. There is no secular institution in America, that has wisdom. Not one. There might be secular individuals who still have wisdom thanks to they're not rejecting the teachings of their parents or grandparents, but there is not one secular institution that has wisdom. The more secular, the less wisdom. No wisdom, no goodness. Goodness is dependent upon wisdom, not upon good intentions. So I've just explained to you the crisis of our university. God bless you, Linda, in Corona. Shari in Columbia, South Carolina, hello. Hello. So thank you so much for taking my call. Um, I came in when you were saying to get a mezuzah and hang it, but I've looked, and the reason I'm calling is I'm getting differing um, directions on how to actually hang it. Some say horizontal, some say vertical, some say crooked, some say straight. Um, Welcome to Jewish life. I'm doing this for all the <laughs> Jews because my best friend of over 40 years is Jewish. Um, Bless you. Hold on. I'll talk to you about the way in a moment. Hi, everybody. I'm Dennis Prager. I welcome you to the Dennis Prager Show. Over the course of decades, I have had this man on, Professor Alan Dershowitz, Professor Emeritus, Harvard Law School, one of the best-known lawyers and legal minds in the United States, and he is a fighter for America, for liberty, for free speech, for the right of Israel to survive, positions that are not popular on the left, and we've discussed this, uh, he and I, at various forums that we have taken part in, as well as on my show. He has an interesting and important piece uh, in uh, the Daily Caller, Does the First Amendment Protect Anti-Israel Protests? We'll get to that in a moment, but Alan, first of all, welcome as always. You are... Do you think that we are witnessing a realization that certainly I I have had since I was at Columbia in the 1970s, that the university is neither a friend of liberty nor of America nor of Israel? Do you think that this realization is dawning on many Americans now? I sure hope so. I mean, I've seen it uh, since the day I got to Harvard in 1964, when I was told to no uncertain terms that if I wanted to get tenure, stop wearing my Jewishness on my sleeve, 
nobody could be a dean or a president of the university if they were Jewish. There were anti-Jewish quotas. Uh, we know a Columbia dean of admissions was fired because he had admitted too many Jews. Harvard welcomed Nazis in the 1930s, sent a delegation to a German university that had just fired all of its professors. There was a brief golden age. Uh, it's coincidentally, it was during much of the time I was there between 1964 and 2014, and Ruth Weiss was there, and Larry Summers was there, and a few other people were there to stand up for for Jewish values. But um, Harvard University, Columbia University, have for many, many years been, uh, I say, an enemy of the Jews, an enemy of the Judeo-Christian tradition, and I have to add this, an enemy of open-minded intellectual pursuits. Um, You know, I grew up in Brooklyn, in Borough Park. You grew up in Flatbush. The people I grew up with were so much smarter than the Harvard Law professors that I spent 50 years with. Um, These close-minded people who, you know, were well-spoken and they could put together a sentence, uh, but creativity, questioning was not their strong sport. And if you had that, you were regarded as maybe a little too a little too dangerous. And if you were too Jewish, too Jewish, uh, that was really the sin of all sins. Uh, uh, the Jewish professors, when I came to Harvard in 1964, wore crimson underwear. I mean, they were so tied into the Harvard tradition that they were more crimson than they were blue and white. I didn't know about the crimson underwear. <laughs> I have to say, by the way, your, your claim that the people you grew up with in, what was it, Bensonhurst? Borough Park. Is that right? Borough Park, sorry. Borough Park in Bensonhurst? Yeah, of course. Yeah, Yeah, no, no, it was a big mistake. I agree with you. Yeah. Uh, That they were wiser than the the average Harvard professor that you you were with for decades. I wrote a piece a few, uh, about a year ago, that I I really do believe that the the average kid in, in my yeshiva, Jewish religious school, and the average kid in a Christian religious school, at the age of 12, had more wisdom than most professors do. And, Look, I said uh, that in my first year. I introduced my first year class in criminal law, and I would say to the students, if you went to yeshiva or to Jesuit high school, you have a tremendous advantage. It may dissipate over a year or two, but you come to the law school with a tremendous advantage, open-mindedness, questioning, you know, challenging. That's not what people generally have been taught, and it's gotten worse and worse and worse and worse. And today, you know, there's, there's a group think. The group think is progressive, hard, woke left. I just saw five minutes ago, 100 Harvard professors uh, wrote a letter condemning the university for being too strongly pro-Israel uh, at a time and too strongly pro-Jewish. Um, I mean, these are the usual suspects of the general anti-Israel progressive woke crowd. But, uh, you know, they represent uh, the mainstream of, of the university, you know, Cornell West and his posse of people when he was at Harvard. So you, you know this world intimately. I do, yeah. Yes. So what is your uh, synopsis take, your, your concise take on the origins of Israel hatred, and for that matter, America hatred among the intelligentsia. It's complicated. Uh, it it uh, it reflects um, at, at places, elite universities, uh, um, a hatred for uh, America buying into this. 
colonialist settler, post-colonialist, uh, post this, post that, intersectionality. Um, you know, it's it's the worst. And you know who the worst are? You know what the worst? I'm I'm now on a campaign to get rid of every ethnic studies department in the university. No black studies, no women's studies. The worst offenders of all are Jewish studies departments. They have been among the most anti-Israel, the most uh, anti-Semitic in some ways, because to get a job in Jewish studies, you have to be a talking dog, and a talking dog is a Jew who's against Israel and against Judaism. So I'm I'm in favor of abolishing all ethnic studies departments. I'm in favor of abolishing uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion bureaucracies, and get back to the job of the universities doing STEM, science, technology, and you know math. Uh, yeah, law if law can be taught objectively. I have my doubts about that. Uh, but students are, by the way, walking the walk. Students are not today taking political science, history, philosophy. They're all taking STEM or economics. They want to learn something. They don't want to be propagandized. And they go into the classroom and they're told what to think instead of how to think. And it's been a disaster for America. And 20 years from now, we will be so behind other countries in the world because we frittered away our academic standing in the name of this woke political um, nonsense on the hard left. It's amazing. I so salute you, as I have for so many years, even though theoretically we differ politically, although it's minimal at this point. Okay. <laughs> you were you were very quick on that one. <laughs> That's fine. Uh, actually, it, it's actually good, though, people should... No, and I always cite you when you're not on with me as an example of a liberal who uh, who is not a leftist. I, I have tried yeah. to make this distinction for years. Liberalism has nothing in common with leftism, uh, but mo- right. most li- most liberals don't know that. that, that that's the yeah. tragedy. Well, most liberals. But anyway, the liberal. Jewish studies point you made. The uh, I yeah. debated the head of the Jewish studies department of UCLA about 15 years ago at UCLA, and the. It is astonishing. the The subject of the debate was: Does is Israel in a, morally superior to its enemies? Yeah. And, yeah. and he wrote yeah. again right after October seventh. He wrote a piece in the L.A. Times. This professor of Jewish studies at UCLA that uh, again, there's no moral distinction uh, between Israel and its enemies. This is uh, this is a a professor of Jewish studies at the UCLA. You wrote this yeah. article, and I'm very curious. It's a very, because we have the same views, you and I, on the First Amendment. It, it's fairly inviolable, because it's a slippery slope and so on. Right. Does the First Amendment protect anti-Israel protests? So what's your answer? Yes, it does, if the protests are political and uh, they're not um, inciting. They don't incite people, and they're not harassing, and they don't give material aid to designated terrorist groups. Uh, The First Amendment gives tremendous amount of latitude. What it doesn't do is give you the right to incite violence, to harass people, um, to give aid to to Hamas uh, or any other designated terrorist organization. Uh, it's it's not an easy line. Um, I, I don't talk about it as a line. I talk about it as a circle of civility. What I say to every university is, would you allow the Klan to say that blacks are lynched because they're too uppity 
that women are raped because they wear provocative clothes and that gays are shot because of their lifestyles. If you would allow that, okay, then you can say what you want about Emma. But if you would ban any of the above, then the circle of symmetry has to require you to put limits on the same kind of nonsensical talk about Jews. You can't have a double standard, one for preferred minorities, privileged minorities, uh, and another for the most unprivileged on campus, namely uh, the Jewish minority. You can't have that double standard, whether you're a public school or a private school. I'll be back with Alan Dershowitz. By the way, tell everybody you have a, uh, a book coming out soon. I do. It's called War Against the Jews. I started it on Shabbos on Saturday afternoon in violation of my religious traditions of October 7th. I started it on October 7th. Wow. All right. We're going to talk about that and more with Alan Dershowitz. I'm speaking to Professor Alan Dershowitz, who is a major proponent of free speech. Very... uh, perhaps the most famous lawyer in the United States for decades now. By the way, I I don't think I'm, I I know that I'm not revealing uh, a secret because you have said this to me not only at different forums that we have both dialogued in, but on the air, about being abandoned by so many erstwhile friends in your life because of your pro-freedom positions. Have you... You don't have to talk about this, but you're pretty open, and I salute you for that. What what conclusions, if any, have you drawn from that? Well, uh, that many of them were not real friends. They were just um, celebrity um, hounds uh, that when I was popular and famous on the left, they all wanted me, um, uh, but I didn't mind that. You know, losing losing fake friends, but... You know, the 92nd Street, why not allowing me to speak about Israel? I offered them an opportunity to have me speak for free on my new book, War Against the Jews. What could be more timely? But the 92nd Street, why has canceled me? Temple Emanuel has canceled me. The Ramaz High School in New York has canceled me. Many Jewish book fairs have canceled me. Uh, The Library of Chilmark, Massachusetts has canceled me. That's what happens I defended, you know, Donald Trump on the floor of the Senate. Uh, I call it my, you know, John Adams moment. Uh, I'm, I'm not John Adams, uh, actually a better lawyer than he was, but not nearly as good a political figure and great, great man in history. He wasn't such a great lawyer. Um, but um, uh, he got abused and hurt and, and, and lost many friends when he defended the people from the Boston Massacre. The same thing happened to me. I don't mind the individual friends. Probably he's made my life a little better. But the institutional cancellation is so in violation of the spirit of our Constitution. I mean, the 92nd Street Y is supposed to be a forum for different points of view, and they have many anti-Israel speakers. Uh, Temple Emanuel had uh, Peter Beinhart speak against Israel being the nation-state of the Jewish people, but they wouldn't have me. They paid him $25,000. I offered to do it for free. They wouldn't have me. So, you know, that's what's going on today in this uh, world of cancellation. I taught at Harvard for 50 years. I have not been invited back to speak about Israel in the last 10 years since I've been retired. People like Norman Finkelstein are invited back, are invited to speak, but they don't want... Wait, Harvard invited Norman Finkelstein? 
Oh, sure. And every major university has had Norman Finkelstein. For those who don't know, he's gotten a new what? A new birth, because after after October 7th, he did a tweet that said every fiber of his body was warmed by these massacres. And he became now a popular speaker again on university campuses and in various forums because he has been a pro-Hamas person for years and years and years. He feels very close to Hamas. Uh, he thinks Hamas are freedom fighters. Um, you know, obviously, he supports rape, beheadings, burnings of children, kidnappings, as long as they're done against Jews and uh, and by Hamas. So, you know, he is more welcome on university campuses around the world than than I am, including in some Jewish venues. That's the irony. Well, it's, I don't feel it's any more ironic, which leads me to a question you're one of the few people I could pose this to. Mm-hmm. I don't think that there is, and I have said this uh, to my audience, very open with my listeners, but I don't think that there is a parallel in any other group to the Jews who support the enemies of the Jews. In other words, there were no blacks for apartheid. There were no blacks for lynching. Yeah, and yeah. yet you have you. Uh, uh, you are. I, I know you're intellectually honest. So I even I am amazed. He actually welcomed the Hamas attacks. Norman Finkelstein. He did. He praised them. He praised them. The National Lawyers Guild, which was really started by Jewish lawyers, had lots of prominent Jewish lawyers. Um, still has a lot of Jewish lawyers. The National Lawyers Guild on the, on the eighth. Uh, not we're not talking about after Israel went into Gaza on the eighth, the day where the blood was still flowing from people's bodies, praised the attack um, and said it was a, a legitimate military response to the occupation and done by freedom fighters. The National Lawyers Guild that has branches in every major law school in the country, the same National Lawyers Guild that stops conservative judges from speaking, shuts them down, uh, is an anti-civil liberties group. And um, uh, they attack me ferociously uh, all the time. In, in my book, um, uh, War Against the Jews, I have a chapter on the National Lawyers Guild. They've become uh, the leading legal arm of Hamas in the United States, perhaps in violation of the federal criminal statute that makes it a crime to give material aid to a designated terrorist organization. I think the National Lawyers Guild has come either close or has passed over the line into giving material aid to to Hamas. But they have praised, as many other groups which have Jews in them, have praised these these horrible um, these mass murders. The Bronx Defenders Organization, they're supposed to defend people. They, as a group, came out in favor of of Hamas's uh, killing. So we're seeing this across the board from a progressive, woke, hard-left, traditionally anti-Israel and anti-Semitic groups. Including not a few Jews. Including quite a few Jews. Quite a few Jews. A Jewish woman wrote a letter. I wrote a letter to the, an open letter to the Bar Association, to the Bar Journal the other day, saying that uh, anybody who has supported beheadings, any lawyer who has supported beheadings, rapes, and murders, if a law firm hires them, they have an obligation to tell their client, you're being represented by somebody who supports rape. Just like if you hired somebody from the Ku Klux Klan who supported lynchings, 
you'd have an ethical obligation to tell your clients, oh, by the way, the lawyer we've assigned you uh, supports lynching of blacks. Oh, you're black. We know that. But, you know, he's only your lawyer. Uh, so I made, I wrote that article, and, 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 a, and a woman, a radical left-wing woman from the National... All right, you'll give me that Give me that response. I'm very curious as soon as we come back. Alan Dershowitz is my guest. I'm speaking with Professor Alan Dershowitz. <laughs> he, I have to admit, I mean, the things that he has already told me, I... Some of them I really did not know that people who supported the Hamas attacks, defended them, were invited to universities and to even Jewish institutions, and he is not allowed. I mean, this there's a real moral sickness uh, that is uh, pervasive in much of American life that is associated with the left, it is, is, is quite quite scary. His book, by the way, is up at DennisPrager.com, and uh, it, is, it is one that, um, it's not, when is it coming out, Alan? Well, you can get it right now, and in about two weeks it'll be delivered, but you can go on Amazon.com, order War Against the Jews, and it'll come in your mail in about uh, two weeks. I wrote it in record time. I wrote it in about four and a half weeks, and they're publishing it in record time because it's so topical. You know, it deals with the, the history of Gaza, the attack on the 7th, and the reaction to the attack, which is a more central aspect of the book. I mean, how the world has reacted, and particularly before Israel even went into Gaza, the entire world was condemning Israel for having been victims for having been raped and beheaded. Uh, that's what the true nature of the anti-Semitism was. The attacks that occurred on Israel as the result of Hamas having done this brutal mass murder and kidnapping, and, and how many organizations supported uh, Hamas. Uh, it's absolutely striking. Uh, universities, uh, law students, uh, business school students, fortunately, were fighting back, and law firms have been firing and withdrawing offers from students who supported the rapes and the murders. And so I wrote an article about that, and the National Lawyers Guild has now said, I'm guilty of McCarthyism because I'm preventing free speech. I'm not preventing free speech. I just want to make sure that clients have free speech, too, and that you don't impose on them, if you're a black client, you don't impose on them a lawyer who supported lynchings or who supports segregation. And if you're a Jewish client or a decent client of any religion, you don't have imposed on you a lawyer who supports beheadings and rapes and kidnappings and murders. That's not McCarthyism. That's common sense, decency, and the First Amendment. The First Amendment goes both ways. We have a right to know who it is that's speaking and what they're saying so that we can hold them accountable in the marketplace of ideas. That's part of the First Amendment. Yeah, one one would think. By the way, I saw that the publisher of your book is Hot Books, I'm not right. familiar with that one. Tell me about them. They're a great publishing firm. You know, they um, when Woody Allen's book uh, was withdrawn, um, I called my publisher, and they published it immediately. They'll publish controversial books. Uh, they're libertarian-leaning. Uh, it's part of a larger company called Skyhorse, but they, they, they pride themselves 
on getting a book out within two or three weeks of it being submitted. Um, on, mm. on the 7th, my publisher called me and said, if you can get this book to us by November 1st, we'll get it out before December 1st. And that's what they're doing. Yeah, the book again, folks, is up at uh, DennisPrager.com. So I'm going to bounce one more thing and then let sure. you go uh, off you. My column today, I have Tuesday column for 20 years, and my column today, which goes to many, many uh, places uh, that are uh, considered conservative, but it is that non-Jews put a mezuzah up uh, at yeah. their apartment or house. What do you think of that? I think it's a wonderful, wonderful idea. I'll, I'll tell you, though, a story how how it can sometimes backfire. So during the height of anti-Semitism in France, I was asked to speak at the National Assembly. I don't usually wear a kippah. I'm not orthodox, but I decided to wear a kippah just to make the point that we're not afraid of the anti-Semites in France. And people congratulated me. Then I got a call from the head rabbi. He said, you did a terrible thing. I said, why? He said, you're getting on a plane tomorrow. And that's okay. But my congregants, if they wear a kippah, they're going to get beaten up. And you should not have encouraged them to wear a kippah. And and so I hope that, you know, Gentiles will do what happened in Denmark in the Holocaust. Let them help us put up mezuzahs, uh, wear a kippah. You know, the only people who wear a talit today are the Jewish Voice for Peace. And they're not Jewish and they have no voice and they're not in favor of peace. They're an anti-Semitic right. organization consisting primarily of non-Jews. They put on the talus only to say, oh, look, we're Jews and we hate Israel, that, and it's an apartheid genocidal state. And nobody should be fooled by the Jewish voice for peace. So, um, you know, the demonstrations are going on now, hopefully in Washington. Hopefully there'll be many thousands of All people right. there. And yeah. You keep up the good work, my friend. You're, you uh, you're a fighter. Thank, Thank you. you. too. I am Thank indeed. You. Thank you. This is a red alert for hardworking Americans who are tired of seeing their freedoms and savings threatened by the globalist agenda. Wealth Protection Research is on a mission to find whistleblowers who are exposing the schemes that threaten your financial security. We're talking about real patriotic financial warriors like Jim Rickards and Porter Stansberry. They're not afraid to tell it like it is, exposing how the system is rigged against you. Text IDEAS to 76626 to find out more. With the 2024 election Storming our way, your IRA and your 401k appear to be in the crosshairs. That's why we've compiled our three favorite ideas from Freethinkers. Don't wait for a knock on your door telling you it's too late. Get this critical report. Text IDEAS to 76626. The fight for your financial freedom is on. Text IDEAS to 76626 now for your free report. That's IDEAS to 76626. Standard text and data rates may apply. Hi everybody, Dennis Prager here, and this is the Ultimate Issues Hour. So in all the years of the Ultimate Issues Hour, I don't recall asking for a behavioral, something behavior-oriented. It's always been about the great issues of life, religious and moral and so on. But this this constitutes a, a new type of ultimate issue, and that is changing America for the better. 
it is easy to see in retrospect what people should have done. The trick in life is to see it when it is happening. So I'm going to read to you my column. Every Tuesday my column comes out. There were 20 years worth, a thousand of them on the internet. This is my column today. You can see it at DennisPrager.com or at TownHall.com and eventually it migrates to many other sites. So here, here it goes because this obviously means a lot to me and I believe to America. Here is my column today. In my long life, I have never personally experienced anti-Semitism in America. I was raised by Jewish parents who believed that the best place Jews ever lived, other than in their own country in the Holy Land, was the United States of America. When the most prominent Jew of the 20th century, Rabbi Menachem Schneerson, the head of the Chabad movement from 1950 until his death in 1994, came to the United States from Eastern Europe in 1941, he sometime thereafter declared that America was a Medina Shel Chesed, a righteous country. Yes, there have always been individual anti-Semites in America. Yes, there have been anti-Semitic policies, quotas on Jews at Harvard, country clubs barring Jews from membership, law firms closed to Jewish lawyers, among other examples. And there have always been Jews who believed American Christians were no different from Europe's. But the fact is, even with the aforementioned flaws, America has always been a blessing to its Jews. It is therefore nothing less than tragic, as much for America as for its Jews, that for the first time in American history, many American Jews are afraid. They watch the Jew hatred on college campuses, the large demonstrations featuring calls to wipe out Israel, police guarding school children attending Jewish schools, and see armed guards at virtually every synagogue in the country. They worry. So much so that many religious Jewish college students who until very recently wore a kippah with nary a thought now wear a baseball hat or some other head covering that does not identify them as Jews. And some Jews are removing the mezuzah from the doorposts of their homes and apartments. This time, therefore, presents America's non-Jews with an opportunity to do something powerful for the Jews of America, and many would like to. Unlike during the Nazi era when helping Jews often entailed hiding a Jew and thereby risking one's life and family, helping Jews now can be done with little or no risk. And if many millions of Americans do this, America and the world will be profoundly affected for the good. Americans should put a mezuzah on the doorposts of their homes and apartments. In effect, they will be saying, we are all Jews. There are powerful precedents. One took place during World War II in a Nazi prisoner of war camp. As reported by the Army, sometime in January 1945, German forces instructed all Jewish POWs to report the next morning. Master Sergeant Roddy Edmonds, the senior non-commissioned officer, 
was in charge of the prisoners, which included Jews and non-Jews. He ordered all of his soldiers to stand together when the Jewish prisoners were to report. When the German officer in charge saw that all the camp's inmates were standing in front of their barracks, he turned to Edmonds and said, They cannot all be Jews. We are all Jews, Edmonds replied. The German officer drew his pistol and threatened Edmonds, but Edmonds stood firm and no Jewish soldier was hurt. Another example took place in Billings, Montana in 1993. During Hanukkah of that year, a Jew hater tossed a brick through a window displaying a Hanukkah menorah. The home belonged to a Jewish physician and his families. Jews traditionally placed the Hanukkah menorah in a window for all the world to see the lights of the eight-day holiday. When word of what happened spread, the citizens of Billings bought or made replicas of menorahs and placed them in their own windows. There is a powerful photo representation of this showing people of every religion, ethnicity, and race in Billings holding up a menorah photographed through a broken window. In the Nazi POW camp and in Billings, America's Christians and other non-Jews responded to Jew hatred by saying, We are all Jews. Once again, a time has come for Americans, especially, but not only, Christians, to announce, We are all Jews. Put a mezuzah on the doorpost of your house or apartment. The mezuzah is a small box that Jews place on the right doorpost of their home. The commandment to do so is thousands of years old, coming as it does from the Bible. In the fifth book of the Torah, in Deuteronomy 6, 4-9, it is written, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts and press them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your house and on your gates. Those words are written on parchment, just are the words of the Torah scroll and placed inside the mezuzah. When written by a scribe on parchment, the mezuzah is considered a kosher mezuzah. However, there is no need for a non-Jew to buy a kosher mezuzah for considerably less money. One can buy the mezuzah box with nothing inside, or with the Hebrew words inside printed on paper, rather than handwritten on parchment. Just use the internet to search on mezuzah, M-E-Z-U-Z-A-H. Ideally, once you've done this, take a photo of it with your cell phone and post it on your social media account. Let the world know where you stand. What matters is that non-Jews put this distinctive Jewish item on their doorpost. If enough Americans did this, the message of solidarity with Jews would reverberate around the world that in this time of greater anti-Semitism than any since the Holocaust, we are all Jews. So again, that's up at Town Hall or at DennisPrager.com. 
it will have a deep impact on you, on your families, and of course on society. If you do this, one eight Prager seven seven six. If you have questions or reactions, be most happy to talk to you about it. It is not often that life gives us a chance to make a big difference. And most of the time, people don't make a big difference for whatever reason. But my faith in America, and especially its Christians, is quite deep. And I hope that a lot of people will take up this recommendation. There is no country like this country. I would hope that Europeans who read of this would do the same thing. But as America goes, much of the world goes. I've been living a life, so brought me to my knees. I'm Dennis Prager. This is the Ultimate Issues Hour. I read to you my column today. I hope you'll send it around. I ask you to do so to as many people in your life. This is a moment where you can make a real difference. See, people know that people should have made a difference when they talk about the past. But the the point is to see the present clearly. And I'm asking as many as people who could hear my message Put up a mezuzah on your doorpost. It's it's a 3,000 year old ritual that Jews put on their doorposts. I read that some Jews were taking down their mezuzahs out of fear. You you have no idea how painful that is to me because my life has been a, a, a love affair with the United States. And in in so many ways with its Christians. So this is a good example of taking a stand. Put a mezuzah, and I explain it in the article, what it's all about on your doorpost. It's a blessing to a house. If you're a believer, it's a blessing in any event. It's got the text of love God with all your heart, with all your soul in it. Can't get more universal than that, can you? So anyway, that's the subject of the Ultimate Issues Hour, One eight Prager 776. Whatever your reaction, I w- I'm very interested, obviously I'm deeply interested in your reactions, how this strikes you. So there was a very interesting comment. You know, I always read comments to not only my own articles, but articles that other others write, because this is it's a real chance to see how the public feels. So let me see if I could find this one. There is a very, very touching comment. Here, this is it. I am not one for pointless gestures. I abhor virtue signaling. So my wife and I checked with some Jewish friends, and I was surprised at how touched they were by the idea. The the mezuzah. 
is on the way from Amazon. I'm going to shop around for a menorah on Etsy or eBay. I want something eye-catching so it can sit on my mantle all year. I hope this idea catches on. Hmm. Yes. I'm not for virtue signaling either. I can't stand it. This is not a virtue signal. This is an act of defiance against evil. And I gave the two powerful stories, and they're not the only ones, of non-Jews saying we are all Jews. I have never asked for anything in this regard. All I have done is the opposite. I've spent much of my life as a Jew defending America's Christians which has been as altruistic as it has been selfish, because if Christianity dies in the West, the West dies in the West. That's why I've never fought for a secular America. Secular government is one thing. Secular society is a bad idea. It's quite remarkable how people don't understand that. Okay, let's go to your calls here. Let's go to uh, Valerie in Weatherford, Texas. Hello. Hello, Dennis. I was supposed to be on your Israel trip that didn't go this fall. I'm very sad about that, hoping it'll go again. Yes, I'm hoping it'll go again, too. Yep. Okay, I have... um, Two two questions. One, uh, if we put a mezuzah on the door, you said it's the right side. Is that the right side going out or the right side coming in? God, I'm telling you, uh, I am so impressed with these questions. <laughs> you you can find uh, just do how to affix a mezuzah, and it'll it'll uh, it'll tell you. I'm trying to picture it because I've you know I've had one on, on my own apartment or or home in my whole life, and I believe. Yes, I believe it's the top is headed in inward and the bottom outward, if I'm not mistaken. But I may be mistaken. I'll okay, have so my I'll wife uh, text me. Yes, look <laughs> that up. Yeah. And the other question that, that's, is... Yes, least- now, by the way, that, that is a, it's an interesting question because yeah, if, if, if all the Jews did it in one angle and all the non-Jews did it in another angle, it would, it would be a giveaway. <laughs> We don't want to so do that. It's so. a, right, yeah, it's a legitimate question, yes, okay. Okay, last thing, I live in Texas where, our, 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 in this part, our houses are far apart, no one even sees my front door, so I'm wondering about some more m- mobile way of support. Is it, we have a flagpole, I drive a car, is it respectful or disrespectful to fly the Israeli flag? And if so, do you put it right below the American or just take the American down? Or yeah. So what is first of all, it's things? it's it's thoroughly and utterly respectful. That would be another dramatic statement. If all of a sudden we saw so a lot of Israeli flags up, uh, what is the general thing? So many synagogues will have this. They'll have the American flag and an Israeli flag. Always the American flag is higher than any other country's flag, and that's the way it should be. But it's okay to if fly you if you have both at the same if you, time. Oh, yeah, well, look, look at how many people did the Ukrainian flag. Okay. Well, we always fly the Texas flag just under the American flag, so I'll, we could put Israel... Yeah, there Texas you go. <laughs> That's right, I <laughs> forgot about that. 
<laughs> you may be the only state. It cracks me up. You, in in California, you don't see any any place with the California flag unless it's maybe some California institution. <laughs> but in Texas, you see the Texas flag everywhere. Yes, I love you for that. By the way, I think it's great. And I, I hope Florida starts doing the same thing because you, you two are the are the hopes. I would say Oklahoma well, too. Anyway, bless your soul. It's, it's I'm very touched by your uh, your reaction, Joseph in Dallas, Texas. Back to Texas. Hello, Joseph. Uh, okay, hello. Joseph, hold on. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna take a break and then I'll yeah. take. Okay. Ultimate Issues Hour, Ultimate Issue Hour, what can we do at the time in which we're living? So I have inaugurated my mezuzah project that as many homes as possible in America put up the mezuzah on the doorpost of their house or apartment, just as Jews have been doing for 3,000 years. It's based on Deuteronomy where there's an injunction to do that. It's a very powerful thing. All right, let's uh, let's good. I'm going to get Rabbi Kraft in a moment. Long time, long time friend of mine calling in. But first, I promised Joseph in Dallas. Hello, Joseph. Yes, shalom, Dennis. Uh, I've been a big Hi. fan and listening to you for oh, fifteen plus years. I kind of lost track. But uh, and, and I want to encourage others out there who are non-Jewish to do as you have been uh, requesting. I think it's an awesome Thank idea. You. Uh, my mm-hmm. wife and I, we converted to Judaism a little over 10 years ago. In fact, this past Sukkot was kind of our 10-year mark anniversary. Um, mm-hmm. But unfortunately, you know, we're, we're of Hispanic descent. We look Hispanic, uh, but we dress Jewish. I wear a kippah. My wife covers her hair. But when she goes to the local grocery store, a Tom Thumb, and, and she's in the kosher meat section or, or kosher section, you know, buying other things, she gets treated very rudely by other Jews that are in the store, and particularly by the men. Um, and so much so that there's been a handful of times that she's come home in tears, just not knowing what so to I, do. So I, 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 I have to admit that it's, I believe you completely, but it is bizarre. In Jewish life, which I know very, very well, there has been a sea change with regard to the... Uh, the way in which converts to Judaism are regarded, there there are so many, and of so many backgrounds, not not just white, uh, that in in most of Jewish life, uh, it, it is like it's like it's sort of a non-issue. I mean, in in my synagogue, we have people from Asia uh, and kids kids who are Asian and and who are who are Jewish, and it, it doesn't mean a thing to anybody. So. I have to I have to say that for whatever reason she has had an thank God an atypical response. Uh, are, are these people, if they're in the kosher section, are they Orthodox Jews? Or are they uh, uh, do, primarily? Yes. You, yes. Yeah. Well, that's okay. So that the, it, among orth, Orthodox Jews who like I believe that they that such people exist whether they're orthodox or not but 
the, it's particularly ironic since the Orthodox Jewish belief is that the Messiah will come from a convert. <laughs> so, <laughs> True. Yes. Yes. So you know, I I, I can't. It, it's I can't explain a holes. <laughs> and if, if people, and also I don't even know what would even engender some sort of negative. Even if they saw somebody who wasn't Jewish buying in a kosher part, it's hard for me to believe that. But as I say, I, I my experience is to believe callers. Very few people just make up stories. But I, I wish one of those experiences were videoed and I could analyze it because it is not normative uh, in Jewish life. And people know I'm certainly capable of being critical of my fellow Jews. Uh, let's go to Rabbi Kraft in Los Angeles. My friend, Hello, Shimon. Dennis. Hi. Hello, Dennis. Hi. What a beautiful idea with your mezuzah. It's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Thank you. you. Know, I get, to, I get, a, I have a store, a Judaica store in, in uh, West Los Angeles. I, and I'm a sofa, I'm a scribe. I write the parchments that you put inside the mezuzah, you put inside the case. And so that's been my expertise for 45 years. That's exactly what I do. And I always tell people, you know, in Judaism, you can tell the essence of a thing by the word. Uh, Hebrew is the holy tongue. The word itself defines the principle. A mezuzah comes from the Hebrew word lazuz. Uh, you know what zuz means? To move. To move. It's supposed to move you. Yes, hold on. I want you to continue. We're going to be back in a moment. So I'm asking that the non-Jews of America put a mezuzah up on their doorpost of their home, of their apartment. And I explain it all in my column today at DennisPrager.com or TownHall.com. So, long-time owner of a fantastic Jewish bookstore and memorabilia and item store is calling in. I know him. I know what a good man he is. So, people should really go by and, and... Check out a mezuzah with you. Is that right? Absolutely. So wish. I mean, again, you can get them online. And again, for your purposes, a case would be sufficient because it would show, you know, just. That's the, right. The, the case is what matters. Correct. Aspect. Right. Yeah. But really, what really matters is the inside. And that's one of the many lessons of the mezuzah. It's what's inside the counts, which is true. You know, we're, we Jews are into inner beauty as opposed to outer beauty. That's the priority. But I was saying before, the word mezuzah means to move. What, what, what do you have to move? The point is, when I teach kids in school, I always tell them, can you imagine if LeBron James comes in the room, right? Oh, wow, they'll behave, right? Your parents come in the room. Oh, I say, can you imagine if God comes in the room? They go, wow. And I say, guess what? God's always in the room. What's our problem? We forget. You have to be shaken up. You've got to be moved. And that's the power of the mezuzah. It moves you to keep you connected to the Almighty. Because in Judaism, the source of all blessing is when you're connected to the Almighty. The source of all curse is when you're disconnected from the Almighty. And therefore, it's filled with ways, as you know, well know, Judaism is filled with commandments, that the word commandment, also another word in Hebrew, mitzvah, sav means to connect. And it connects us to the Almighty. That's the power of it. Whereas those that are disconnected don't have an awareness, and they don't have the same blessing in life. You're a good man. All right. So check it out on uh, in his store. You can look that up. I should have had you give the name. The Mitzvah Store. The 613 Mitzvah Store, if I'm not mistaken. Call in if I am mistaken. 
I, I, I let you go, and I realized I didn't give the name. Or just go online. By the way, he said that, uh, what is it? You're blessed if you're connected with God and cursed when you're not connected. That is exactly what's happening in America. The universities are among the most radically secular institutions, and look at what they're producing. It's, it's, we know it to be true. Z- is that Zal? We'll find out in a moment. In <laughs> Tampa, Florida. Hello. Yes, hi. It's uh, Vale, actually, Mr. Prager. Hi. Hi. Um, two questions. One, are you performing in Tampa today sometime? Performing is a funny word, but oh, I, <laughs> I am. I'm no, sorry. no, it's not. I'm not offended. It's perfectly fine. I just got a kick out of it. That I, I don't worry about it. I use it, uh, but I'm, I'm with uh, I, I'm with Mike Gallagher and Seb Gorka tonight. Find out everything by going to theanswertampa.com. It'll tell you where, and uh, I believe there are even uh, there's free admission as well. I hope I hope you'll be able to come, and all of you in the Tampa area. You'll, you'll have a great time, and it's a great way to uh, support this magnificent station. And it, 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 it's a rare time, but they, they have – I asked them how much was a the ticket. They said many are free. Okay, excellent. Uh, let's see. Uh, Frankfurt, Germany. Bob, hello. Hello, Dennis. Uh I just want to make a, a, a comment that something I really cherish so much is that I was actually in the King uh, David's tomb in Jerusalem in 1979-1984. And it really impressed me. I saw the original Star of David and it was hanging uh, on a slant on a giant purple, deep purple veil that ran from the roof down to the floor. And it really mm. moved me. Wow. And I loved mm-hmm. it. And, well, uh, thank you for uh, I'm reading a, Yes. I'm reading a book right now, You're... sir, uh, uh, called The Portals of Heaven by uh, David Roth and uh, forward by Herzog, and that's a wonderful book. And you're talking about the movement. It talks a lot about that in there, uh, to, to move. Good. Well, thank you for noting that. It be interesting to see if you put up a mezuzah in Germany, how uh, how people would react. Indeed. 1-8 Prager, 776, Thousand Oaks, California. Joseph, hello. Good morning, uh, Dennis. Uh, it's a pleasure to talk with you and listen to your program. I, uh, Thank you. For uh, the uh, people who are Christian, uh, the, the, the words that you are mentioning in the mezuzah are also partially found in the books of uh, Matthew and Mark. Oh, and, I did not know that. Yes, in uh, in Matthew's, uh, Jesus was asked, "What are the most important teachings of uh, of the Bible?" And he, or the Torah, and uh, he said, "To love your neighbor as yourself, and to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind." It's a little abbreviated, but nevertheless, it's there. So you know that these people were good. Uh, people of the faith, so to speak. And uh, I also point out that the first commandment in, in Judaism, that is, uh, I am Lord thy God, uh, brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. The you in that is not Israelis or your forefathers or whatever. 
It's you. God liberated, and according to our sages, all the people that believed in him. At the time, mm-hmm. All the souls that, that were ever going to be. Well, that's beautiful. So it's not exactly in the mezuzah then in, in Matthew. It, it's the commandment that's inside the mezuzah of to love God with all your heart and with all your soul, which, by the way, I have acknowledged is not easy. I, I have great uh, respect for those who grapple with that uh, commandment. Because of the amount of suffering, unjust suffering in the world, and I, I relate to those who struggle with that law. I have struggled with it. I try every day to be obedient to, to God and to sanctify his name. But I admit that that is not an easy law for me uh, to observe. I work on it. We'll be back. A lucky man. Okay, final segment of the Ultimate Issues Hour. It's an, the Ultimate Issue is actually a pragmatic Ultimate Issue Hour. How you can make a big, big difference in your life and in the life of America. If a lot of people put up a mezuzah on their doorpost of their apartment or their home, in effect announcing we are all Jews, this would be one of the most glorious moments in American history. So consider it. Read my article. It explains everything. My column today is at DennisPrager.com. The Little Box That Could Change America. That's the title. It's up at Town Hall and at DennisPrager.com. Hmm. Yep. As I said earlier, it's really worth repeating. I'll give you an example of what I meant when I said people have clarity about the past sometimes, but not about the present. It's so common now for people to describe the Soviet Union as evil, but if you described the Soviet Union as evil while it was in existence, you were considered a cold warrior. When Ronald Reagan said that the Soviet Union was an evil empire, every single major publication in America condemned him. Every single one. Now, to say the Soviet Union was evil, eh, anybody can say that. This is the first time since the Holocaust that it is respectable to advocate uh, the, the mass killing of Jews. You should see this, this guy from the Middle East who said that completely understandable why Hitler would have tried to kill all the Zionists, which is just another term for Jew in the anti-Jewish, anti-Israel world. The trick is when things are happening to realize the damage that they're doing. It'd be a powerful thing. And if you do this, 
put a mezuzah, this little box on your doorpost, please take a photograph of yourself doing it or a little video and post it. America would truly be exceptional and true to itself if this happened. Thank you. Good for you. It's good for the country. Good for the world. Dennis Prager here. Thanks for listening to the Daily Dennis Prager Podcast. To hear the entire three hours of my radio show, commercial-free, every single day, become a member of PragerTopia. You'll also get access to 15 years' worth of archives, as well as the daily show prep. Subscribe at PragerTopia.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.